Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Robots Radio presents... Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where style is just as important as substance. Welcome to the podcast where we explore the lore, news, and gameplay of the cyberpunk games and other dystopian worlds. I'm your host, Robots. Welcome back, cyberpunks. This is the Cyberpunk Lorecast, and we are back again for another episode. And it's a different time. It's like 10 o'clock in the morning for me, which means it's 7 o'clock in the morning for Logan, who's just like uh, keeping it together for us because he's been up all night. And um, and our, our very special guest. But first of all, you know, Logan, how's it going? Got to introduce you. I'm Tom. Tom, your uh, host. <laughs> Tom of Robots. This is Logan. You guys know who we are. Logan, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Yeah, I, I typically uh, work late in the afternoon, so I'm usually up till about four or five in the morning my in Pacific time for the United States. So uh, when when you were doing 10 a.m., I was like, cool, we'll do 10 a.m. And then I was like, oh, wait, that's East Coast time. What is that in <laughs> Pacific? That's 7 a.m. Oh, it's going to be a long night. It's a long Let's night. Let's do it. Yeah, let's let's do it. All right. Well, uh, thank you for toughing it out. I'm glad you were able to make it. And uh, we did all of this because we have back joining us again, Scruff from Baby Build, Baby Build, Beard Media, and Roll Two Cast. How are you doing? Welcome back to the show. I'm good. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, I'm doing good. It's actually coming up on two a.m. here. Two a.m. There. Uh, yeah. So, so I, this is my this is prime prime time for me. I'll, I'll slip into bed after this, but this is. This is my peak energy. So awesome, awesome. My best. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm much more of a night owl as well. Um, but uh, thank you for joining us again. And for those of you who don't know, um, Roll Two Cast is now part of the Robots Radio Network, which is super exciting. Yeah. You guys joined us about a month month or two back, and um, yeah. you've been doing some awesome stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on over there? Uh, yeah. So the the podcast itself is a. Uh, TTRPG podcast. It's an actual play podcast um, with the shtick being the four of us are trained actors um, and we do a different system every season and uh, a different person will be the storyteller, the game master or the referee every season as well. And so far we've done four seasons. We've done Cyberpunk 2020. Uh, we've done Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, more recently, we just did Cyberpunk Red, which we got some. We got early look at the rules to make. Thank you so much, RTG. And then we've just kicked off our Pulp Cthulhu season, which is a a mod for uh, Call of Cthulhu, which makes it a bit more uh, Indiana Jones and uh, a bit more two fisted. <laughs> nice, so it's great. And then we've got Kids on Bikes coming up. Um, so yeah, we make this podcast. Um, it's actual plays with the kind of uh, production value of an audio drama. So we've got original soundtrack in there um we've got sound effects uh you know we've we've got you know tight editing to make the experiences kind of exciting and and uh, thrilling and immersive as possible yeah and you guys have been blowing up since your cyberpunk red uh series wrapped up a few months ago people seem to really really have yeah. enjoyed it yeah yeah the I mean, reception to it's been really awesome i think the characters in particular is like we've 
we sort of nailed both in our 2020 game and our red game, but which are the two I've GM'd where the characters in the cyberpunk world, they just really like leap out and that's what people connect to. So, yeah. Yeah. Logan, did you want to jump in? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was really, uh, I wanted to touch on the, the, the editing itself because I, I found it very interesting. I, I can't quite tell how you guys actually recorded this. If it was all in one room together, or if you did it online, cause, uh, the way that you have some of the edits, I, it feels like you guys all have an opportunity to look at each other's dice from time to time, but I can't yeah, tell if it's just rude. Okay. We are, uh, so we're all, yeah, we're all in the same place. So we all live in Adelaide. Um, and, uh, we all at one time or another went to the same acting school in Adelaide, um, college of the arts, uh, with different years and stuff. And we started out doing like a pop culture podcast, uh, uh, shut up and take my podcast, which is a retrospective of all of future armor, which is nearly finished. Um, and yeah, so we just, we, we're friends, we hang out, right? So when we record, we, um, we do it in, we pick a weekend or three days, four days. And then we do uh, usually three, two hour blocks in the day. And then, you know, it, it makes so much of a difference. Like I love playing online and I'm running some games online, but like being able to not just look at your dice, but like connect with the people across the room when you're doing scenes and stuff, when you're doing a bit more storytelling, storytelling stuff, or even when you're just like riffing and making comedy. Uh, out of the circumstance, this art's invaluable, makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, you can really tell that you guys are having a good time, especially in some of the instances where like you can get pretty good with editing to kind of feel like people are speaking almost right on top of each other but there's something about being in the same room together that you can actually hear that when they're they're kind of connecting with with each other so there is overlap but the overlap is natural and you can still kind of clearly make out every everyone that's speaking and it's just it, it really it really hit close to home like i i kept finding myself like i'm sitting there trying to work and i'm and i've got this big goofy grin on my face but no one can see <laughs> it because i've got a big mask on my face so i was just having such a good time listening to 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 feed the beast with your your cd uh with your cyberpunk red campaign because i was just cracking up at, at how funny you guys were were making the entire situation that should have been very like scary and and traumatizing for most people People if if it wasn't like in this type of world but you guys really made made it fun to listen to a, a world in a dystopian future like just after a nuclear bombing and a bunch of yeah. kids running around dealing with whatever the heck radiation is yes <laughs> yeah the rats who have no idea what's uh, no context for anything yeah um, yeah thank you man thank you um it's it's a lot of fun to make, and I think the attitude of punk combined with dystopia is what lets you have that attitude, that fun attitude that's just like, you know, we'll go out in a blaze of glory. Uh, like in 2077, I think, you know, it's that really key question Dex asks you at the beginning, like, yeah. are, you a, are you a blaze of glory kind of guy? It's like, that is the, it's one of the heart, that's the heart of cyberpunk, I think. So you laugh in the face of death. Um, and and just just go out go out shooting i think yeah yeah Yeah. that's great it's a great mix um so to get to the episode today um and we'll let's wrap this up first though if you guys are listening and you haven't listened to their show and you especially if you haven't heard a cyberpunk actual tabletop rpg game session be played 
Rolticast is a great place to go check that out, whether it's 2020 or Red. Um, I have a feeling there are a lot of you who have been playing the game and love the world, but don't really understand the tabletop side of that. So go check that out. It'll give you a sense of what is possible with your own sessions and those kinds of things. And it's it's really not that hard to get into, especially if you can find somebody who's willing to just kind of take on the mantle of the the referee in this case and and set up a game. And sometimes it just, you know, takes being brave and being the one to say, all right, I'm going to give it a try. You know, that's how now, I think we all start, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, now's the time for it. Um, yeah, a lot of people will find if they got um, 27 and 7 on PC, they've actually got the 2020 rule book in their files if mm-hmm. they got the, the extras. Um, and Red is just come out. Like, it's already sold out physical copies, but you can get it on drive-thru RPG. Now is the time to go looking for people to play because it's blowing up right now. Yeah, yeah. So this episode, we're going to be talking with Scruff a little bit more about the world of Red, the way that Night City works in 2045 in this time period between the 2020s and the 2077 era that we've been able to experience in game. And specifically around things like the technology and the the way that that side of things works, because the city, as we know, and this isn't spoilers, anyone who's played 2077 or listened to our show knows that things kind of get messed up by <laughs> in the ends of the 20s and uh, mm-hmm. night city is changed in a very significant way and then kind of put back together over time and there's there's definitely a lot going on there so we're gonna we're gonna dig into that stuff before we get into that stuff though that'll be kind of the second half of the episode the first half of the episode this conversation we've been having but also we wanted to address a little bit of um some of the comments, I guess, that uh, CD Projekt Red put out this week, which was kind of an explanation slash apology for the state with which Cyberpunk 2077 came out. And there's a lot of different opinions about this. I myself put out a, uh, a reaction and thoughts video about this where i accidentally left my buddy bot voice on like this the whole time because i didn't have my headset on and i couldn't tell that's what was happening so it is a ridiculous mix of both me sounding like a chipmunk and talking seriously about <laughs> the nature of the, <laughs> the the statement that they put out um but have you guys both uh, watched that have you listened to and watched the explanation i don't even know what to call it it's kind of a I mean, they're addressing the issue of, hey, it was put out early. It wasn't 100% fully cooked. Here's what happened is basically what's going on. Okay. Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack with this. I think there's a lot more going on that we'll probably have to cover next week. But yeah, this uh, I, I don't know why you would put out this video. I really don't. They've already they've already put out a few patches. They've put out. Uh, a statement saying that they're going to have two updates for January and from for February and that there's going to be DLC coming. I don't know why you had to take, take, you know, the founder, one of the founders of CDPR and be like, all right, time to stick him in front of a camera and have him try and explain away why this game shipped early when anyone that's in the games industry clearly understands that they push this game out for money. Like yeah, yeah. this game like, was we get not it. ready. We get it. Yeah. yeah, I have yeah. a theory about this. I, 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 uh, go I ahead, Scruff. It's like that they they knew that there was this Jason Schreier article coming, and it's a an attempt to mm. kind of get out in front of that, or or sort of 
balance that with their own internal messaging. Right. So and and specifically, that, that article was uh, an interview with something like 20-some devs and other people mm. in and around the situation who um, can attest to the fact that there was a, a ton of crunch there uh, was a much, much more of an emphasis put on marketing and the impressions of the game than the actual substance of the game, uh, making sure that that stuff was always looking on, on point. But really, when it came down to it, they pushed it out before they were able to get the game to a state where it actually matched the marketing. I mean, that seemed to be the, the conclusion of that article. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts on any of that stuff, too? Yeah, they... It's it's interesting that they that they wanted to double down on what they plan on doing for the game. I think everyone that's that's been keeping up with it has been pretty pretty or made aware of their expectations of how the rest of the year is. They even gave a kind mm-hmm. of a a weird nondescript timeline for with what they big, expect. Big area with like stuff him here. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Very yeah, weird. It's, it's a bit of a modern symptom of of. Uh, development right where we just like oh here's the game um we know it's not very good now uh but here's the roadmap uh and it's almost like you should pick games are going to start releasing the roadmap like alongside the release or before the release (laughs) right right it's the first Um, thing that comes up when you load the game up is like boop 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 here's where we are Here's the roadmap. <laughs> like, it's the finished game. And right. Here's what you can expect now. <laughs> yeah. It's like the early access model, but they're just not telling you that it's early access. And and the early access model works in different circumstances for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So um, here's so, yeah. here's a question. Here's, here's what I want to throw out there is that uh, CD Projekt Red is actually the most or one of the most. I'm not sure what it is right now. Um, uh, major profit uh, organizations in Poland, right? Because they're mm. they're located in Poland. They're actually one of the biggest companies in the country. A significant percentage of the money that that country makes every year comes from CD Projekt Red because of... I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Like, the, the, the company is actually very large. They've had a ton of success. Mm. And I have to wonder how much of a stake... The Polish government has in the success of this company and how much um, leverage they have over doing things like saying, you know, to one of the founders, hey, you need to get out there and address this. You need to go on, on screen and talk about what's going on here. You need to save face. Where what are you doing to lead this this company? Now, I, I don't know the political situation in Poland. I don't know how much control they have over um, private companies and things like that but i have to imagine that there's something at stake there right i mean at least enough people thought it was a good idea for him to record it right yeah Whether yeah yeah you know where, wherever that pressure is coming from and without knowing like how powerful their business board is or the government is in that realm i think it's quite hard to speculate about um i just think it's really interesting especially when you're talking about something like cyberpunk is the clear division between the execs and the developers because mm-hmm. the developers like you know they put up with crunch and if you play the game and you see the details like it's clearly a labor of love right and yeah. given enough time it would have it would have been and maybe will be you know live up to that that vision and then you've got the execs who increasingly are separated from the the actual 
creativity side of it, the labor yeah. and love side of it. The on the ground you know, the stuff. Yeah. You know, the, the, the part that starts with, with, with Mike and his, 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 uh, you know, original vision for the world and his consultation to kind of grow it. Mm-hmm. Cause that stuff's all in there. Like it's all, it's there. Stuff has been so carefully attended to. Right. And then like always the fucking corporations fucked it up. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's all of the pieces are there. They just haven't fully uh, grown into the things that they eventually would have become. Um, mm. You know, like so all the key components are, are there. Do you guys think if this game had a beta tag on it and they had done the stability patches and, you know, a month after the game's released, they're like, all right, thanks for jumping into the beta. We've been really happy to see all of your feedback. Now that we have an idea of what's important to you, here's our roadmap. If they had smelt, slapped beta, would this game have been a lot more or, or a lot better received in its state? Or do you think people would be like, because I, I think the main rub right now is, is that this is the expected final product mm-hmm. and they're having to kind of fall on their sword and issue a mea copa from the founder of the studio in this instance, uh, saying that they basically feel like that they, they knew that what they thought was going to come out was going to be better than what was what was actually there, which I don't know how anyone at that studio who actually touched the game on consoles could look at what was going on and say, oh yeah, we're, we're not, we, we didn't see the number of crashes that, you know, yeah, we didn't get the crashes. We didn't get the T posed models. We didn't get the, the pop in like, you know, you yeah. did, you did. And somebody said, ship it anyway, because that's, because well, we, we know developers are way hands on with that stuff. They're in the yeah. system every day that's i i think I that's probably the biggest cop out of this whole thing yeah and i wonder if it's isn't slightly not quite as cut and dry as that as you know the, the people are saying like can you fix most of these before we ship right mm-hmm. and they're going yeah yeah probably and then it gets closer and closer and they're like can you fix the buff popping mm-hmm. can you fix the posing and they're like I think we're going to get there. We're going to get there. And then by that point, they're locked into a release date and they're like, we do just don't say anything. Just put it out, you know? Right. And it's this sort of lack of anyone actually wanting to say either. No, um, no, nobody wants to say no. Right. No one wants to say no. Right. So I think it's less malicious. Like we've got to get it out for money, boy. Yeah. 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 (laughs) The the big old cigar smoking exec. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just a lack. I think more likely to be a lack of leadership than a sort of like a greedy power play. Mm-hmm. Logan, I've, I've got an answer to your question before you jump back in. Um, mm-hmm. I, I okay, think yeah. I think that, yes, this is a this is a messaging thing. And they kind of we mentioned this previously. They kind of dug their own grave by saying the finished game will be out at this date. Um, yeah. Every company who's learned better, Nintendo, Blizzard, uh, like all of these other companies know that you don't say the game is ready until the game is ready. Uh, Bethesda, like they've learned these lessons. They've made the mistakes, <laughs> but, but they've, but they've made the mistake. So I'm hoping they're learning the lesson, but you get what I'm saying? Like this whole, like they don't say it's going to be released until they know it's going to be released. Um, instead yeah. of saying, this is the date we're shooting for. It's going to be released on this date. That's, that's always high hopes. The software is never ready. It's there's always no. other things that you can fix. Um, so, had, so to address your question, sorry, sorry, Karen. yeah, yeah. So, um, to address your question, 
if they had said this is a beta we're going to release it now i'm assuming in in my fantasy world they haven't said this is the date you're going to get the final game instead had they said by this date we will have a beta drop like you're suggesting and if you've pre-ordered the game you can play the beta you can give us your feedback we'll be tracking data from the gameplay we'll get some feedback and then we'll put out a statement and that will tell you exactly where we are on the roadmap and what things we're going to address and by which date we are you know shooting to have those things addressed and we'll, we'll keep you informed and then creating a live software update where every month they put out a, okay here's the next patch here's the things that were fixed here's what we're going this is how much closer we are to the end goal you know and just kind of did that and dragged it down for another year and then said okay final game full release is this date and turned it into another thing then yes the messaging would have been more clear i think people would have been happier with the results of that i mean you look at something like baldur's gate 3 they're doing that they released a very early build of the game it's just the first section of the game it works fine there's still some bugs to work out but nobody is disappointed with it in fact they have lots of hope for the way the rest of the game is going to work out um but at the same time that goes against your ability to market a big finished product yeah. that nobody's seen yet so you have this this tension marketing budget it's huge you huge have this product, tension yeah. between like the quality of the game and the ability to market it because those two things don't always work together because now you're drip feeding stuff out there and you're uh, i mean you and i you and i went through this before the game released the the fact that we didn't know so much was a marketing mm -hmm. benefit to them it created buzz. It created questions. You and I talked about all sorts of different questions. Is this going to be in the game? What is going to happen with this? What's going to happen with this? That's what draws the buzz. That's what created so many people to pre-order and order on release, which drove the sales. Had we been able to answer those questions incrementally over a year or two, it wouldn't have driven as many sales. The buzz wouldn't have been the same. Yeah. And yeah, but that's the, the dilemma. Really have been shredded. So, right. I don't know. I, I mean, to, uh, to 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 answer the original question, in, in, from my perspective as well, is that I'm not sure a beta is quite the right tool for this kind of game. Like, I think it works in your example, like a Baldur's Gate thing, because of the kind of um, the the way a CPR CRPG works. You mm -hmm. know, it's very modular. You can build different bits of the game, right? Right. Whereas, like, if you're playing a first-person action adventure with gunplay and and you know character animations and driving and all this stuff, like it, it's so hard to even if you put out a beta, right? It's so hard to to get enough meaningfully back from that that you and that your product can be agile enough to actually meet it, right? Yeah, it's not as module. Like, all the systems have to work together at the same time from the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I just. I personally just think it was just undercooked. Is this? It's the my Occam's Razor answer is undercooked. It just mm -hmm. needed to come out later. Mm -hmm. and it just as a full game, but it just they just needed to say it's not ready. We just haven't finished it yet, guys. Yeah, um, the yeah. world's not going to end. Uh, well, it might do. We're in. Who knows? Um, <laughs> it's become more of a possibility since the game came out. But, yeah. Um, this is what I always think about. You know, there's this anger that comes with the games delayed. It's oh yeah. Like, well, does it like is it gonna be does it does it does it harm you that the game isn't you're not playing it today 
like you go go play horizon go play um you know god of war go play any of the you know masterpiece games that came out in the last five ten years or, or earlier or play some indie games right or get play, together and play a, play a ttrpg game with your buddies there's there's a hundred other things you could be doing and logan and i have talked about this before so many times like a game releases and it's either good or it's not and it would yeah. be better to delay and get a good game than to not and get a game that's not good yet because that it yeah. creates this dilemma i i personally would have been okay with another six months a year until this game yeah, came I out would it would have been fine i'd be like oh. Yeah, I would have been bummed. I would be like, oh crap, they pushed it back again. I was really looking forward to it because we went through that a few times. Um, but yeah, yeah. the people, the, I, I think you're right. I think there's this attitude out there. And I, I think it's the minority of of people. I think it's this. It's the way the internet works. The, the vocal yeah, minority gets their messages out. It, like, And this is a concept, I think this ties into cyberpunk stuff and maybe some of this tech stuff we're going to talk about in a little bit. But because of the internet, for the first time in history, um, and I don't remember whose quote this was, but it, uh, the voices of idiots are just as loud as the voices of experts for the first time in history. Yeah. Like you go back 30 years and the people who got published were experts. They were people who were experts in their field. They were people who were um, uh, government officials. They were people who were whatever. Those are the people who got to put out books. Those are the people who got news stuff on them. And the the amount of messaging from the quote unquote and these aren't my words idiots was very minimal and it got chopped up like it, maybe it would show up in the like response section to a newspaper article or something like that right but it wasn't it wasn't amplified the way it is on the internet now the internet works everybody's voice is the same volume it's all the same so and the algorithm the algorithm says you know, the algorithm in mm -hmm. abstract sense says, oh, hey, you like you think this. Here are 20 other people who also think this. It creates an echo chamber. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that's the problem is that, you know, even if 5% of the audience is going, ah, crap, they pushed it back again. There's another 95% that are probably either like, eh, that's a bummer, but it's okay. Or good. I'm glad they did. <laughs> you know, like they're just not as vocal. So it's. I just had this weird like t-shirt idea that just popped into my head where it was like, it's not called social media. It's called socialism media <laughs> and everyone has the same e equal grounds equal to speak their opinion regardless yeah. of how smart they are. Right. How smart, Sorry, how informed, any of that stuff. It doesn't matter. Your voice is yeah. the same volume as anyone else's. It's or maybe louder depending on how many people agree with you. It, it really is amazing. So I have a, another question that kind of came to mind while we were talking about this, and I wanted to toss it out to you guys in the in the 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 discussion, the commitment video that they that they released. They talked about how uh, a lot of and, and I want to kind of dive into this later on uh, when we have more time, because um, I want to jump into uh, red soon. But uh, they, they talked about how the the things that they were seeing on the console side were were better than they than was received by the the people mm -hmm. and they they kept saying like was this something or could could this be done with a or could a lot of this be fixed with the day one patch and they were like yes it could a lot of it could be done with the day one patch thanks to jason schreier who is is very biased towards finding companies that are are pushing people to work overtime that aren't unionized um 
it's clear that there was a lot of crunch going on. And they've even said that there was crunch at the uh, in the last stretch of the last two months of the, the game being made. If and this is this is kind of my idea in, in my question to you guys is if there wasn't crunch, do you think a lot of the devs would have probably voiced their opinions about what was broken about the game? Like, do you think that the devs who were who were making this we're getting asked how the game is on consoles to the manager for, from the management. And they're like, I hate working this much. I'm just going to say yes. And we'll figure it out afterwards because I'm yeah. still working this much overtime. Well, that, that does happen and, when you don't feel like your management is approachable or is, or is reasonable. Um, yeah. Like, uh, and I've, and I've, I think I've mentioned this on the show before I've had great bosses. I've had terrible bosses, my great bosses. I tell them most of the truth. You're right. You always got to protect yourself mm-hmm. a little bit. My terrible bosses, I tell them exactly what they want to hear. Because yeah. I can't trust them. So therefore, I'm just there to do my job. And I'm just going to tell them what they want to hear. Because because you learn very quickly. If you tell them what they don't want to hear, they get upset with you. And you yeah, become, they, they kill the messenger, basically, right? Yeah. And I don't know that this was the situation there. But I think a lot of people act that way, regardless of who their boss is. They just tell them what they want to hear. It's almost yeah. as if hierarchical power structures don't always make the <laughs> best artistic projects. Strange. It's strange how that works. You think we'd have figured this out by now, huh? Should move to more of a socialism media style <laughs> for art That's development. Right. That's right. I'm, I'm on board with that. Um, yeah, I, I think um, it's interesting you kind of make that uh, not equivocation, that, that caveat about Jason Schreier. I, I, I mean, I haven't read the article yet, but the impression I get is that he was looking for another Anthem expose because what he discovered about Anthem was like pretty fucking horrific, both in terms of like what they did to the ground, the ground developers and the fact that the game just didn't have a soul. And they were like, oh, flying is fun. Let's remake the game around it. You know, and it, it painted this picture of this like really disastrous project that was just like mismanaged at like every level and then made this like really popcorn um consuming disaster of a game at the end Mm -hmm. and it feels to me like a lot of people have been like they want 2077 to be the next sort of fallout 76 kind of horror story (laughs) fallout 76 or anthem horror story i don't think it's quite that like it's undercooked but it's not like 76 where there was you could literally have an hour and a half video of of unique bugs Oh, yeah. Back to back. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, to, to a degree, I guess my final thought is, uh, is like, it, the, the game's still pretty good, guys, and it will, it, they will fix it. Like, if you want to just ignore all the corporate messaging and, and stuff going on around it. Yeah, that would, that would yeah. be fine. Yeah, I think, that's the, yeah. I think that's the conclusion to all of this is they've got plans. It's going to get better. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about that from the beginning. It's gonna get better. They released uh, Witcher Three. It was in rough condition. It got better, you know. And if you and if you don't want to spoil it right now, wait a year, wait a year, come back, load up the game for the first time a year from now, and play Mm. it. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be a completely different experience. So yeah, I just wish people. It's the crunch that annoys me. It's the people. It's the workers get fucked over. That's the part that really annoys me. All of it. It should should never happen. Right. I yeah. agree. If the I choice agree. is the choice is, is delay or crunch, it should always be delay. These right. people are human beings. 
Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And, exactly. And to to address your 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 comments on Schreier's article, you're you're 100 right. I I think he has made a career off of good journalism about exposing uh, crunch in the game industry. Uh, if you look at any of you know his past articles or or like blood, sweat, and pixels, it's it's clear he likes to find those stories where people talk about how things were just in the shittiest condition that you could possibly imagine and something either really surprising came out of it or everything that you thought the worst story it could have been was actually true and it was even worse than you thought so you know when when i read his content i try to keep in the back of my mind it's like he's writing this because he knows that people like to read about how justified he feels in mm-hmm. in companies or in developers working in a, in an environment where they don't have to deal with crunch which i agree with uh but right. it's his brand likes, right they know what yeah, to expect he, from he him. has he has that so i i appreciate that he went and did the due diligence of the work um i don't necessarily think that this was an opportunity for cdpr to write back a message about the article um i think this is definitely one of those moments where akin to no man's sky the devs should have kept their head down uh, just shut focused up. on the game yep cut the pr just let people know like like if they just released the image of the of the cd of the of the update roadmap that that should have been enough for everyone yeah 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 well i think that uh i'm sure other people have some thoughts on this too and if you guys want to chime in on any of this feel free to reach out to us either on the cyberpunk lore at cyberpunk lore twitter account or on the discord the robots radio discord we've got a channel for each of the shows on there you're welcome to join us on there and tell us what you think about all these things and you know what you think about the game and all that stuff um as a reminder We've got just a few weeks left until the end of the year, and we still have our screenshot competition going. And Kather, uh, our patron guest from last month, is giving away a statue. It's a really badass looking statue. It's pretty big. And it's got V flying off of his motorcycle, running over a fool and shooting guns and all sorts of stuff. Um, and uh, if you just all you need to do is submit a screenshot of actually you can submit up to three screenshots of uh your character whatever you want as long as it includes a vehicle and the vehicle can be the main focus it can be you know something an asset in the screenshot however creative as you want to get with this and kather will pick his favorite in just a few weeks and we'll be sending out the statue to the winner so go get some great screenshots log into the discord drop them off in the cyberpunk screenshot uh channel and who knows? You might you might win a statue. Well, guys, let's move on to the middle of the show because I want to go talk about Cyberpunk Red. So we're going to do our middle of the show thing and we'll be right back. Welcome to the middle of the show. This is the part of the show where we get to thank our patrons for helping to support the show. And you guys are amazing. I never did quite go over our list of patrons that joined us in December. This includes uh, Nicholas M, Shimino, and Sunless Sketcher. Thank you so much for your support, guys. And this month, we have two new upgraded patrons, Ethan D., and so thin a toasted <laughs> such a good name um who will be joining us at the end of the month which is in just a few weeks on the 31st we'll be talking on the 31st at our regular time 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific sunday night 
the 31st and all three so we'll have kether ethan and sothanatosa joining us on that episode of the show to talk about cyberpunk um I'm, i think we'll probably be talking about their impressions of the game the things that they've been doing in their game the, their kind of thoughts on that kind of stuff so if you would like to join us there's still time to either sign up on patreon.com slash cyberpunk lorecast or to upgrade to the upgraded status in order to make sure that you can join us at the end of the month so thank you again to all of our patrons you guys are amazing are you interested in starting a podcast but you don't know how to get started are you concerned that your podcast just isn't reaching the audience that you're trying to reach well this is robots from the robots radio network and i have a podcast for you it is the podcast creator's guide you can check it out here at robotsradio.net on any podcatcher and listen every week for quick tips and updates for how to get you started and growing your podcast even faster check it out today the podcaster's creator's guide Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we're back, and it's time to dig into some cyberpunk red. Scruff, we we were talking during the pre-show a little bit about some of the things that you're going to be sharing with us today, and Logan and I both have, have the core book. We've been reading through it. It's huge. There's Yeah, it's a big... It's a big one. There's a lot of great stuff. I mean, there's a lot of juicy stuff. They put a lot of love and care into this. And, you know, I saw on their Twitter account this morning that for, like, what, the last three months, they've been at the top of uh, one of the seller lists for, for this book. It's, oh, it's, just, it's an outstanding book. It's amazing. It's really good. Yeah, it's really good. But you've been, uh, you, just, you got an early, you got an early copy of this. You got to be able yeah, to build a campaign around it that you turned into a podcast. You've had some, um, some really, I mean, we've, we've talked with Jay Gray as well at Artelsorian, um, but you've had some, um, really great connections with uh, him and the team that put this together. And you have some insight that Logan and I don't have on this stuff. So it's, it's very exciting for us to have you on to talk about this stuff. What, what, what are we going to be digging into today? Um, so uh, I thought it'd be really interesting to talk about the information technology that exists in the time of the red, because it's both different from what we have today, different from what's in the law from 2020, from the original eighties game. And it's different again from what's in 2077. And it kind of encapsulates the um, uh, the what's really different about the time of the red and the way the this role playing game bridges the two timelines because it's some really interesting choices law wise about what they've they've gone with in this intervening period. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, uh, so take yeah. us through it. How 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 did things progress from twenty twenty to forty five when it came to technology? Well. Um, not not that much actually because if you've if you've seen the opening credits of 2077 you know that something quite bad happens in <laughs> night city in 2023 
Um, what might not be so clear just from that sequence, though, is that the the nuke and the Knights of the Holocaust um, was actually the 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 cherry on the cake of the Fourth Corporate War, uh-huh. which was started out as a proxy war between Milosek and Arasaka, and grew to like a worldwide conflict. And because these are the two biggest corporations in the world, they have bases and subsidiaries and troops everywhere so yeah. everywhere was was rocked by this war the high riders the basically the the people who have an independent like nation in orbit dro- start dropping rocks to, to sort of get people to cut it out um <laughs> and so you end up with this like the world is wrecked and the night city holocaust is just like Okay, because the Night City wasn't even part of a, a, it was like a free city at that point. So, uh, like, so wait, 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 wait. Time, time, time out, time out, time out. I, I love the idea of dropping rocks on people because this comes up a few times in, in in the lore. Um, do they? Do you think they have like a space station with like just a big net of rocks that they've rocketed <laughs> up into orbit, and then they're like. Jerry, go get another rock. <laughs> and they've got, they got a little man drone that comes out and pulls one of the rocks out of the pile and then puts it on like a launcher and then goes, <laughs> like tosses it down. They chip it off, chip it off the moon. <laughs> chip it off the moon That's and great. send it over. Right, right. Um, yeah. Like how, yeah. What is the process for Anyway, I'm sorry to jump in with that, but. That's okay. I hope it's, <laughs> I think it's probably like tungsten rods, but the fact they call it like dropping rocks is uh, cool. I like it. The, anyway, the yeah, imagery. Nice. Yeah, it's not under protection of 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 like the uh, United States or anything, so it just gets fucked by the war, <laughs> right? Uh, totally fucked, and so does the whole world. So everything is now about putting the world back together after uh, the, cl- the economic collapse of the eighties, the mega corporate takeover, and the collapse of the United States in, in the nineties, mm-hmm. and endless wars, and then the huge corporate war in the twenties, and the aftermath of that, and the data so crash. Yeah. And the data crash. You got all of this stuff all at the same time falling apart. Yeah. Everything accelerates to this point, which the nuke marks that it just, everything flies apart. And one of the things that flies apart is the old net, which was a Johnny mnemonic style, go inside it, like from anywhere, fly through the net kind of interwebs, like our interwebs, but even better and visual. But one of those rocks uh, or a, a, a raid, um, depending on who you ask, landed on Raish Bartmos, who is our master netrunner from uh-huh. the 20s. Uh-huh. And then the data crash basically made the entire old net almost, you know, unvisitable by netrunners or anyone really. And there's a whole war of Netwatch trying to get it back under control and being like, Actually, we're just gonna we're just gonna put some tape around it and say, "Don't go in there." <laughs> right? So yeah. It's like a yeah. <laughs> like a like a body at a, a crime scene. Just like just yeah. tape off the little area. Don't go in this area right here. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty they're pretty serious about it. They're pretty well funded. The um, Netwatch. But what you have is you have a, this world that's trying to put itself back together, and it no longer has the internet, and so it has it has to form a new way of of um sharing data sharing stories sharing media sharing news sharing everything so mm-hmm. um they they I mean, a new system arises um uh which is sort of air gapped uh which is really cool and that is the the city nets and you got this new corporation ziggurat 
and they run the city nets and they are like into they're like lands right mm-hmm. because in, mm-hmm. cyber, in cyberpunk you can't really have anything that's that's not hardwired because everybody yeah. in their auntie is a is a fucking hacker so right it's kind of like yeah, um in the in the nice. early to mid 90s before the internet was a thing that everybody got on um I was a I was a teenager and uh, the trend happened to be to sign on to these bulletin board systems. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this or or did this, but BBS BBS systems systems. and, you know, my twenty four hundred baud modem would go right and i only one like the the advanced ones could have multiple users on at the same time but otherwise it was just one user at a time and if you dialed in and someone else was on you couldn't get on you had to wait and dial it back in again and you could play games you could leave like messages for people whatever and i ended up making friends on bbs systems and i feel like it's kind of something akin to that this thing that everyone just physically connects into and is no bigger than kind of the local area of the people who are connecting mm-hmm. into it. One of the One things of the that things I thought was... Karen. Oh, no, I, I thought it was interesting uh, that you kind, kind of dive into with the opening episodes of, of Feed the Beast is the idea that uh, Red actually dives more into net running as a role uh, mm-hmm. than 2020 did, considering how big the net was for 2020 and how small it is for red um it it was really surprising that they decided that it was going to take place post uh you know 2023 in a world where the net is kind of you know these scary jungle lands you know where you can't really Mm -hmm. venture without having to worry about getting killed uh by rogue ai or demons and stuff and yet they they decided that that this was going to be the the tabletop rpg expansion where they wanted to (laughs) to really kind of flesh out like the abilities of the net runners yeah, it's really interesting because I think there's a marriage between the law concerns and the gameplay concerns. Because one of the major drawbacks from netrunning in 2020, the tabletop game, is that it's, it is really cool and it's really detailed. There's a lot of stuff you can do with it, but it does not work with the rest of the game. So yeah. you have mm-hmm. these netrunners can like line an ice bath and do whatever they need to do. They're never in any danger. And the whole set of rules about invading data fortresses takes up sessions on its own while the rest of the yeah yeah okay. yeah everyone else is just so like you, all right all right so you need to because i come back next week i guess um so you need this thing where you like if you're going to keep net running we need to have it be more integrated and more exciting and more dangerous like physically mm-hmm. for the people you can't cut net running net running is like one of the most iconic things from the cyberpunk law um is like the the 2020 version of netrunning made an awesome card game it was a really awesome card game um <laughs> just not, doesn't belong in the tabletop yeah yeah but there's people who know it from from that know from the card game by the way check the card game out it's a really cool asymmetrical card game um huh. about uh, one person plays the corporation putting in the black ice and the other person is the netrunner like trying to use programs on the cyber deck to cut through and find the valuable stuff very cool um so yeah you had to yeah you needed to do something there that got the net runners in so you had to you had to kind of like blow up the old net in a way 
Yeah. And you the, well, so. the the way that uh net running is done, at least in, in Feed the Beast, I don't, I'm not sure how other people are running it in their campaigns, but the way it's it's kind of approached with Feed the Beast was so akin to how 2077 approaches quick hacking that mm. I, for, first off, I was really surprised that, uh, that, that cyber decks were so big that they would be like so large. It's, it's interesting, the miniaturization that seems to have taken place yeah, they're not like in your head. They're like, yeah, c- compared to twenty seventy seven, but having a having a physical cyber deck with yeah. your with your your uh, programs on it was such an interesting concept to me. But um, I like the idea of this kind of dirty hacking that's going on, where you're you're literally jacking into nodes, uh, a, a, very similar to twenty seventy seven, where you have to physically be there. Um, the way it's done in, in Feed the Beast, it, I, I thought was so interesting where there were tasks that were done in the game that took a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. But the way that you the way that you dive into the into the, the nets uh, or the city nets with um, with red, it was really surprising to have this uh, idea of a structured building or structured level or dungeon. And in that dungeon, there's there's uh, obviously paths that you have to go down and, and doorways that you have to, to overcome. But it felt like this own little mini D&D campaign that's going on in the, in the net. Yeah, yeah, it's like a it little really little cool mini sub dungeon, like side dungeon, like a <laughs> like it's the it's the uh, phone game you play while also playing the other game with everyone else at the table. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. The phone game was in charge of the deadly lasers and robots that are trying to kill your friends. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's like it's like what they tried to do with all the different games. Uh, I don't know what seven eight years ago, where they're like, here's the main game, and then here's the phone game you can play for the main game that affects the main game. <laughs> it's kind of like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's all, that's all pretty much like rules as written, more, more or less. I mean, I added some cool stuff to later ones, custom stuff, but that is the way they've designed it. And and the those little side nets, which are these like, they call them like elevators, like this elevators of eight floors and then occasionally branching and stuff. Mm-hmm. They have a, they have, they have like a in-world function. So if you, you you only set up a net like that if you need some like defenses run or some something to protect. to protect. Yeah. 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 That's right. So if you find a net, you know, there's something there, either it's because you need the automatic turrets turned off right. or the blood swarm of nano drones that, that eats you from the inside out or, or, you know, it's the, um, the proprietary plans to crack someone's cyberware. You right. Know, it's like a, it's like a treasure box with a bunch of, uh, uh, traps yeah. on it you just got to figure yeah, out how to disarm the it, traps to get to the treasure exactly so it it um but that makes sense within within the world which is really neat you know right. it's not just like arbitrarily tacked on you can see yeah and there's it, it, which wasn't in the in the early rules that we got but is in the final rules mm. is like hey you want to build a net to run the drones that protect your home or your base here's what it costs here's what uh. you do you go to your go to this guy you buy a server you if it if it needs four floors it costs this much this is what the black ice costs yeah and you can actually build one yourself that other people would want to crack into super cool 
one of the the interesting things that I wanted to touch on with you because I had some questions about is uh, when um, when some of the characters in Feed the Beast are diving into the net to to take on some of these defenses, it felt very much like they were on their own, um, which I thought was interesting in the sense that in cyberpunk or in, in cd or cyberpunk red everyone seems to have this ai jarvis called agents and yes, i do i was so i was i was really curious because i was i was thinking about it and i was like why because generally when i think of like agents it, i immediately think of jarvis with iron man and mm. specifically the movie just to make the reference uh, easier to understand and iron man always used jarvis to do all of that that nitty-gritty you know kind of net diving bs whereas in cyberpunk reddit felt very much that this was kind of a hands-on a weird way of saying it but a hands-on task that the actual net runner had to do and the agent felt very disconnected from that experience uh, even even at a personal level where he wasn't really talking with his agent while he was net running he wasn't talking to anyone he was just kind of having to deal with everything and, and I'm, i was wondering if that is something that's a possibility or or was that just kind of how the the first campaign went well um my understanding of agents is what they're quite powerful like learn like organization tools you know for learning your habits and organizing your life they are necessarily pretty limited in, in what they can do kind of creatively and decision wise so they couldn't do what a netrunner does um they could store the data that a netrunner finds or they could execute simple commands on a drone that the netrunner has cracked you know, I crack this drone in the net, I attach it to my agent. I say, agent, if you if anyone comes in the building, you shoot them with this drone. The agent's like, okay, no problem. But it couldn't do something like actually uh, go into the AR net and, and, you know, dodge programs and activate different programs to counter them. It's just- It's like the rules are too flipped from like your Iron Man example. Yeah. It's like- one of yeah, them is focusing really on dealing with the real world while the other's digging into the net as opposed to the, the inverse yes. of that. Yeah. The, 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 I think it's, a, it's less like Jarvis because, you know, Iron Man's a super genius. He made a super AI. Uh, it's more like, like how Siri should be if it worked. Mm-hmm. Are you suggesting yes. that Apple's AI is not up to par? I won't stand for this kind of rhetoric. <laughs> no. like 2045 and it'll catch up. <laughs> yeah, it's more, like, it's more like Siri, but turbo-powered Siri than than an actual kind of Jarvis. Well, it AI makes sense. Thing. It makes sense though, because it, uh, the human would be the one having to make the really tricky decision-making stuff, mm-hmm. and the AI would be functioning on simple if-then procedures, like watch this mm-hmm. area. If an enemy appears, shoot them. You know, like simple processes. Just do the simple process while I focus on this much more complex decision-making. Thing I have to do, and you can say, the, agent, can you find out if um, uh, Nitro's back in the city? Can you just check this, mm-hmm. the the data pool, see if there's any posts from right, him? Right, just do a and thing, return. Tell- yeah, there's a request. A here's a, here's the return. Do it. Yeah, it's yeah, not going to conduct some sort of plan to like you know ambush him or anything, but it will tell you the information you need. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the interesting thing about the agents is that it, it is. 
you know, I can talk to Siri. Siri has five or six different accents, but mm. with agents, you you can kind of customize your own personal agent. You can really kind of add a personality and a flair, and that's even kind of toyed around with in, in Feed the Beast that I liked so much was the idea that, you know, you, you want someone to be kind of fun, but also a little, a little catty, you know, little, little snipes <laughs> once in a while to kind of keep you on your toes, yeah. but it, you kind of have to train it in a, in a sense. So it was an interesting, uh, exercise in trying to understand where that gray zone is between what's an AI and then what's just a really good uh, assistant and trying to yeah. see like where agents fall in that, in that gray zone. So. Uh, that was, was something really that fun I was... thing to, to role play with with that player because they obviously wanted to ask that question and I had to sort of answer it in real time. Yeah, uh, yeah, I like that. And I, and I think you know, outside of that, it's an extra like if you're into role playing games, you know, anything you can do to like give yourself another hook into a character or give your character a bit of distinctiveness. And it's another thing like to add onto your character. Does it, you know, is it snipey? Does it have an accent? Does it, mm -hmm. what sort of things do I use it for? Mm -hmm. And I'm forming a new group at the moment for, for Sirenscape. And, and I've got these, and I asked them the same question recently. I was like, okay, so you've all got this agent, you know, and one person's, you know, is modeled on, on Mozart. Another person is the same kind of like Saki kind of roaster kind of characters, obviously going to be really popular. And it's just such a great thing to ask people about their characters. It's like, yeah, but what's your mobile phone sound like? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, this, is a fun, this is a fun question just from a personal standpoint, but being being that you and uh, the cast of Roll to Cast are all Australian and you have different accents than mm. we do, what is what is the go-to, like, as an Australian, if you're like, this has an accent, but it's not your native accent, what accent is the go-to? What, oh what would most people choose? <laughs> like, in the US, most people would say something like, oh, it's a it's a fancy posh British accent or something like that. Fancy Person. Right, like, uh, that's, so, that's why Jarvis talks the way he does, right? It's, it's because that's what Americans would choose as the accent for their AI. I think 90% of people, especially males, are going to choose a sultry, breathy female voice. It goes in, in, the, same, the, in the same Australian accent? Or is it going to be American? Is it going to be British? What is it going to be? <laughs> Irish? Uh, like, what is, <laughs> like, as me as the GM? Or well, like just trying to just an accent or yeah, yeah. Like an what would the what would the average australian male choose a, a sultry female from where no i see it's a different question like uh -huh. if an australian had an agent what would the personality be total just like it would just give you shit endlessly <laughs> there's the hallmark of australian social life right is you just rag on people completely, right? So you just want your agent. And that's how you know someone likes you is because they just rag on you. Yeah, I don't know if I can drop the C bomb on your on your podcast. Yeah, let's let's avoid that. But yeah, we we get yeah, okay, yeah. totally get it. Yeah, uh, but the, Australia is the place where your your mates are C words and your C words are mates. Right, right. right. That's that's the the use. If you call someone mate, you know. Right, I'm not your buddy, trouble. mate. Yeah, I'm not your pal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got That's it. right. Whereas yeah. if you call someone a mad ex, then you know that they're a really top bloke, right? Yeah, exactly. So I feel like, yeah, I feel like your agent, most Australians' agent will be the same way. Uh -huh. Just be like, oh, you drongo, mate. You've totally woken up late again. Right. And this it would be even, it would be even more Australian. Oh, oh right. yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah we 
Australians don't want like a British butler. Yeah. Like, that's interesting. That's interesting. Because in the US, we, we love everybody who talks different than us. You know, like we don't want some I don't want someone who sounds like myself. And I definitely don't want someone like the stereo like in I've traveled a bit outside the country. I know this is a weird tangent, but it's it's fun. So I've traveled a bit outside of the country. And when I go other places, typically if I ask them, OK, what do you think about the US? What do you know about the US? They know New York, California and Texas. That's the US. Everywhere else is like, who knows? Right. So either. Either, yeah, you're from New York. Yeah, what, what's up? I'm from New York. You're that. Or you're, I'm from California. Yeah, I'm going, going to the beach. You know, that's not the right accent, but hey, going to the beach. That's not the right accent. But then, or you're in Texas and you're like, you know, like, well, I'm a, I'm a prospector from Texas. You know, like, which isn't the right accent either. But like, that's, but we don't want any of those. We don't want that accent in our, in our, you know. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what would be the best agent would be, um, uh like a minnesotan like um <laughs> oh the, the, don't you know the, hey. the midwestern the, the yeah. real yeah. clean okay, midwestern then. accent okay. the, the <laughs> okay then okay then hey uh, i'm i'm i need some i need some more choo-choo for my my ride okay then okay then <laughs> Hello, oh, you. don't you know <laughs> <laughs> hey there Just i don't really, really appreciate the way this is going hey this is a <laughs> lot of people talking about <laughs> my favorite people in the world <laughs> all kinds of strange things happen here but yeah hey we're pretty yeah. good people <laughs> yeah i want the i want the i want the cranky prospector i ain't going to protect your butt today i've got too much work to do yeah i want that guy i'm gonna use that i don't know why someone's, someone's agent is gonna talk like that right i right. want a i want a very angry eureka found gold yeah i want that guy. a good one yeah I want I want an angry Frenchman. I want the I want the <laughs> chef from the Little Mermaid as as my agent. <laughs> Chocolate bleu. I can't understand what the hell he's saying. He's got some information for me, but I can't figure it out. Right, right, love. right. Also, Tom, your your Californian accent is California. So I, I would totally dove, dove into the wrong accent. Um, <laughs> I have to I have to think about the Californians and be like, what are you doing here? Hey man, there's hey. lots of cool people here, and we do hey. a lot of cool stuff. California it has nothing to do with any of that East Coast craziness, man. We're very chill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could do my Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles voice, but that's not quite oh, right either. I don't even know what that is. That, that is Calbunga, dude. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I totally, so I totally sidetracked this. Um, so, right. what, another topic I would love to get into a little bit um, because we're already we're already kind of coming up on an hour, but and we're definitely gonna have to have have you back to talk about more of this stuff um, oh, yeah, in the yeah, future. Please. But you were talking uh, during the pre-show, you were talking about this idea of um, catered content, the this connection yeah. of content. Like, tell us a little bit more about that. How does that work? So, um, so if CityNet is the infrastructure that that um, Ziggurat put up in Night City and several other cities, the thing that people use on there is called the data pool. And the data pool is um, based on this 90s idea. And I'm desperately trying to find the awesome Computer World video from the 90s that I watched on this. Uh -huh. um, so it's a real thing they based it on, which is a stack or page system. Um, that is extremely user-driven, right? So it's it becomes like very very easy to slap a web page together, and 
uh, embed music or writing or video into it, mm -hmm. right? And then you can link pages content really easily by saying, oh, I'll put all this content into a stack mm -hmm. and there's links to another stack. So it's kind of similar to the web page system we have today, but it's way, way more user-driven and user-friendly. So imagine if everybody was a YouTuber, right? Everybody had a space in, in uh, an easily curatable space online. Like a MySpace. You call it MySpace. It's called, it's called a garden patch, right? So um, uh, the data pool is this really like, and this plays into this, the, the way the medias, which is one of the core roles in red, mm -hmm. uh, like shape the world is like, they have, they can make their own audience for their stuff. And it's really, I think they're really playing on the possibilities of the information technology we have today and the way things are kind of fragmenting away from the bigger institutions. Right. Catered content, um, a TikTok. Yeah, exactly. YouTube. Yeah. All of that stuff. But it's, but it's more than that because the everything's driven by the users and there's only limited bandwidth because it's a LAN in the city. So you've got literally like people fighting for, for bandwidth for content, mm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and if something becomes a fad and takes off, it's literally pushing other things like out the way. And they make a point of this in the in the red rule book is like when they're talking about it, it's like something might start off as like a stream one hour a week and then it ends up dominating like half of the runtime of half of the bandwidth, you know, over the next couple of months when it kind of goes viral and takes off. So you've got this really dynamic shifting kind of media landscape that isn't in the hands of Amazon or YouTube. It's in the hands of the users, right? And what they want to use it for, which is really exciting. Uh, which, which, amplifies, which amplifies all the voices like we talked about before. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, I think that's what least, we're seeing right, right now with, with TikTok and sea shanties and the longest Johns and stuff like that's right. That's and, right. Yeah. And even though we don't have but say a limit yeah. of bandwidth, we do have a limit of time and attention. So yeah. in some ways we're still competing for a limited source pool of, of resource. If you think of it that yeah. way, yeah, so everything is, everything's just sort of dialed up in red where everything is scarce, right? Everything is right. Running it's out. It's just more extreme than that. Has, yeah. Yeah, um, it's a little, little um, cool shout out they did. So in the book, there is certain pages which are like mock-ups of garden mm -hmm. patches where you like, might buy books and stuff uh, or watch different media and things. And the keyword searches along the top are shout outs, various people in the community, both like um, actual players and like... Um, podcasters and writers and stuff around it. So John John the Wise is in there. Uh, High Chef Gaming's in there. Um, uh, their name escapes me. Um, the, the guys who were doing the 2020, uh, the long running Dark Future Dice guys, characters in there. And there's a couple of our 2020 characters are mentioned in there as well. Cassie Glass is mentioned. So they use these like little, like these little mock-up pages to like do little shout outs That's awesome. to the people in the community. Yeah. Super, super kind of them and super great. Um, but yeah, I think this has like such a good bearing on, um, uh, like the possibility for like role play for characters, like how they live in the world and how they get the media they consume and, and what they, mm -hmm. what they use this all for, because it's so malleable. And so if you're placing yourself in the world, 
I think Sprocket says she has like a show with her rat. Vlad. Like Vlad the rat. <laughs> yeah. And like 10 people watch it. Uh-huh. You know, but that's fine. Like, right. It's easy there for her were, to make. Hey, there were there were more than just ten people watching. <laughs> it was a good show. It deserves uh, a second season. <laughs> Five of the pe- those people were me and my alternate personalities. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't just create accounts to support it. I don't know what you're talking about. There's all unique users. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. Um, that's awesome. That's awesome stuff. Well. Uh, we're kind of running low on time here. Is there anything else you wanted to hit on this episode before we bring you back for some more, some more stuff? Is there anything else that we should be aware of? Um, well, we did just touch on AI. Obviously, AI is quite important for um, the 2077 law. Um, and uh, you've got these AI constructs. Uh, so there are three kinds of AI, which I think is kind of interesting. Just quickly uh, drill mm-hmm. down those as a little preview, but I will probably cover next time. You've got these soul-killed AIs, who used to be people. You've got these weird uh, emergent AIs, which were built for something and then became something else. Um, and they're sort of alien. You don't really know mm-hmm. they're not because they, they, they haven't been modeled on people. It's kind of hard to interact with them. And then you've got the mega AIs, which are like just thought consciousnesses that exist in large portions of the net that people that may or may not be a myth. Which is so spooky. It's so spooky. It's such a like talk about ghosts or minor gods in in some sense, you know, like, yeah, they're, they're kind of like the dark gods of the net in a way. Yeah. And by the time it all kicks back off in 77 and like it's opened back up again you've got like the souls of dead people in the net they they live in the ghost world like they've got their own place yeah. the net is its own weird reflection of the world so cool deserves yeah. its own deep dive um you could do an yeah, entire campaign I, I, where net runners get lost in a yes in a part of the net in a, and have to find their way out oh, that yeah, would be amazing killed by rabbits right yeah that'd be yeah. amazing yeah, I would love to see a D&D style like fantasy, like medieval fantasy style, like campaign that That's is actually in cyberpunk in cyberpunks, like net running yeah. systems. Yeah. yeah, they think they're in D&D, but they're actually in the net having to play D&D <laughs> rules to get back into the reality, which is cyberpunk. I love it. That's oh, awesome. It's awesome. Especially I, I this is- RPG Seption. Yeah. I, I was thinking it would be it would be amazing if there were moments where they actually came across like terminals in the net where they are kind of in their their fantasy style where they've got swords and armor and whatnot. But then they they see a terminal and they have to jack into the terminal and it's like, oh, now I have to go and do this really weird mundane thing that's in the city and it looks like modern day and they're trying to pick up guns. And it's like, how many levels can we go? Can we can we go like oh, yeah. three levels deep? Oh, can yeah. we go four? At some point, deep? at some point, they're they're in the Cthulhu system. Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> like it's just like it's just like like the 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 net is it looks like D anD D and it's actually in the cyberpunk world, but the cyberpunk world is a hallucination created by some Cthulhu god. You actually and and this whole time it's just you on a boat, just like frozen in fear, running through all this stuff in your brain because you can't process the ancient god in front of you. Well, if you can pull that <laughs> off as a GM, 
you know, I think you've won role playing. <laughs> you win at that point, right? <laughs> you, right. You win the role play. I, I really hope some of this. This is like a little sliver of the kind of the stuff that underpins like the red world and how it bridges the two kind of the law. And I really hope you know this is intriguing to people. This feels like a very small slice of what's what's there. Yeah, definitely. And not only that, there's more splat books on the way. I just want to encourage people, like, if they're into TRPGs in any way. Mm-hmm. Go get red. It's so awesome. If all you're coming from is is the video game 2077, but you also like like tabletop, go get red. It's so good. Um, and you will have all this kind of like weird nostalgia from playing 2077. Like, oh, yeah. that's where that comes from. Ah, oh, I recognize that name. Oh. I recognize that thing over there. This is cool. Oh, that's Mitch Karasaka. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, oh. so many times. So many times with like books and stuff, I feel like I enjoy books a lot more like after I've watched a movie because I now have faces to the names and it takes the burden of using my imagination for that instance where I, I don't have to sit there and think, well, what does Harry Potter actually look like? And it's like, oh, it looks like yeah. Daniel Radcliffe. I don't have to worry about it. I know exactly. What, and I get to enjoy the book way more because now I'm listening to what Daniel Radcliffe's voice is saying these words and mm-hmm. not have to think necessarily like like oh mm-hmm. okay i gotta think like okay how big is the scar is is are the glasses really that dorky looking or is it just kind of like you know a little bit of a imagination on this part so i i would say that it, with cd with it, if you guys are interested in cd uh, cyberpunk red you guys really need to listen to feed the beast because the just the highway scene is one of the best highway scenes that I've seen in a couple uh, like role-playing campaigns, but it rivals anything I've done in 2077 just out of sheer, like like the endurance of the people driving the cars and, and how they managed to come across it and the system that you built up as far as how they deal with, um, you know, catching up with each other or the distance that's, that's kind of gained in between, you know, like if, if I, I don't know how the, the guys that were driving the, the vehicles and the motorcycles managed to get through all of the stuff that they hit <laughs> along the way on that campaign but holy cow that was that was some mad max stuff and i actually really loved that that was included because it it felt like it was going to be just always kind of boots on the ground going to buildings and and diving into net running and stuff and having that highway highway scene kind of helped flesh out some of the world as opposed to just like yeah we're gonna walk down sixth street and then take a left on on this street and we'll we'll end up in you know downtown city and and, uh night city and whatnot and that was a great great thing about about night city in in red is that it's in this it's a fucking weird place it's like floods every every few weeks like people it's got a police force just the megacorps are kind of like beaten down and sort of recovering. And so everything's in flux. No one really knows what's going on and where you're getting stuff. And it's the, it's, the, it's that point in history where it could kind of go anyway. And I think that's why it's set there. And that's why it's cool to like actually run around in the world and see like what's possible. And like all of that stuff in 2077, it's not just like random choices. It's all part of this like decades long lineage, both in terms of writing and in game that has this consistent thing. So like you t- doing yourself a disservice, if you just do 
combat in that world, you have to get into the guts of it and and see why they how each thing links up. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I, I think I think that's really worth exploring. And if you thank you, like I'm really proud of that encounter. If you can <laughs> turn it into a badass road encounter at the same time, oh, why not? You know. Um, yeah. we, but we had we had traveling circuses. Um, uh, my games are based out of like a cyberpunk edge runner commune that like is anarchist and and mutual aid based um you know you can really if you if you have played 2077 you i wish i could like the v's cool and all but i wish i could make this kind of person i wish i could do something different in this world well that's you know rpgs tabletop rpgs are your playground because you can you can do what you want in there yeah it's all potential like that that setting it's all it's like 100 percent potential just go with it where you want very very cool well thank you for joining us um we'll talk after the show about uh when you can join us again we'll, we'll set something up and um uh, you know is there anything else you want to talk about that you've been doing anything you kind of want to you know waste people and get a hold of you anything you want to throw out there uh, so yeah, I mean, you can get hold of uh, me at Scruff S K K R U F on Twitter or Baby Bid Media at Baby Bid Media. Just search us up. We've got YouTube. It's all up there. Roll to cast us our podcast. Um, I would really like to plug something that's coming up very next week, which is a game I'm doing for Artosaurian Games and Sirenscape, who make sound sets for Cyberpunk and fantasy games. Uh, and it's an eight-week limited series uh, live on Twitch. Um, this sounds PM this e- sounds awesome. Just I, I just want to jump in so our audience knows this is going to be freaking amazing. You guys need to check this out. Cast go, is amazing. Go ahead. Go tell tell them what this me. is. It's not including me. The cast is amazing. So it's uh, Sarah Thompson, Sarah Thompson, Tanya DePass, Gabe James, and uh, Kelly, the opera geek. Um, uh whose last name suddenly escaped my adhd brain but um yes the cast is incredible uh no solos in sight so i think it's going to be a a really really cool campaign i i hope so all backed up by sirenscape sound effects so immersive amazing cast and giveaways and stuff as well so that is the main thing i want to like is it is it going to be on artelsorian's channel what channel is it going to be on sirenscape's twitch channel and it will make its way yeah. yeah cool cool awesome we're giving away sirenscape subscriptions and copies of red and stuff so come come by check it out right right and make sure you're following your twitter account our twitter account uh the discord there i'm sure there's going to be links for this all over the place but if you're following those you'll get reminders yeah. when this stuff goes out we'll retweet yeah. things all, all that stuff so yeah generally if you if you hit us up on twitter that's where you'll find out about anything we're doing yep yep and you're always welcome to you know shoot us a note ask a question um especially if you join the discord you can always just pop in you know our channel the cyberpunk lorecast channel the roll to cast channel hey when's that thing happened again just let us know we'll, we'll post links all over the place awesome well thank you so much for joining us this has been super fun and it's always it's always cool to get uh your perspective on this stuff because you're much more inside it than we are uh, because we're not cur- currently playing campaigns, but you've been you've been really doing this and, and uh, working with the system. So it's it's very cool to get your perspective. Logan, you have anything cool going on? What's how's Sea of Thieves? 
Sea of Thieves is doing work. There's, it's interesting. You know, we, we got a, <laughs> there's, there's been a couple, couple issues. Um, no, Sea of Thieves is the most popular it's ever been. It's still in one of the top selling games on Steam right now. I, uh, I was looking through the most watched list on Twitch yesterday, and it was like in the top 15 or something. Yeah. I was like, wow, it's Sea of the- Thieves is way at the top. I don't know what it, what it is, but for some reason, I seem to pick the games that have really rough launches, but then end up being really amazing. You're talking. Wait, 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 wait. You're talking to a guy who does multiple shows on Bethesda titles. Yeah, that's touche. Touche. So oh, you win. Yeah, I'm a day um, one. I'm a pre-order No Man's Sky fan who actually fucking adores the game. Oh, yeah. That's another one I need to jump back into. That one. Yeah, I, I got so overwhelmed by the uh, systems in no man's sky i need i need someone to kind of like hold my hand through that game yeah um but uh so getting back to what we were talking about yes uh sea thieves is doing good i've got a great interview with um a really fun pot or a streamer coming up this week and we're still hoping that the battle pass system that they're going to be introduced launches on the 20th but there's been very they've been very mum on the word for you know what's Mm. going on with that so it might get pushed back to february but other than that keep keep an ear out for keel halt if you guys want to find out what this silly pirate thing that i'm obsessed with is all about (laughs) um i've been having a blast in there this this weekend was like a golden glory weekend so it was like double gold and double reputation for everyone and the seas were red and i helped (laughs) And I like that. <laughs> and I helped, I helped make them red. Yeah, go listen to yeah. Keelhauled and find out why Logan is a captain. <laughs> that should be yeah. our pitch. Um, <laughs> awesome, awesome stuff. Um, I've, I've been doing my thing, uh, you know, regular shows. Um, uh, one of the things that I really would love for people to do is come hang out with me during the days, uh, during the weekdays. I've been streaming while I edit shows like this one. I, you know, edit down the videos and the audio. I put up, you know, I, I'm, I'm tinkering in Adobe stuff i'm happy to answer questions about any of that stuff while i do it but uh more than anything i'm just happy to have people to chat with while i'm at work at home because i don't have co-workers in a room with me and it's so fun to have you guys pop in the stream and say hi and just kind of you know tune in for me working while you guys work or whatever you're doing during the day that's awesome and then when i'm done doing that if i get some extra time i i turn on some games and, and stream some stuff so um you know stream some games as opposed to streaming some work i guess it's all streaming huh so yeah so come come join me uh twitch.tv slash robots radio same same channel that this show goes out on and you know and just you know put on the notifications i'm usually on sometime between about 10 30 and noon every weekday eastern time so you know in the morning sometime you know come and join me all right guys well that's it for this episode thank you again for joining us scruff logan hope you have a wonderful week and okay. until next time, stay safe in Night City and be careful out there on the net because it's a it's a dangerous, spooky place. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Cyberpunk Lorecast. This show is a part of the Robots Radio Network. Smart podcasts for interesting people. If you'd like to help support the show, please tell a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. If you'd like to get in contact, please send an email to cyberpunklorecast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at cyberpunklore. Also, join the community on the Robots Radio Discord. The link is in the show notes. 
The music on the show was written and performed by The Midnight and was used with their permission. Go check them out at themidnightofficial.com. Until next time, stay safe in Night City. We'll talk to you later. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Have you ever wondered how deep the Elder Scrolls lore rabbit hole goes? Have you got a grasp of the basics and want to find out more about the universe? Written in Uncertainty is here to help you. We'll be mixing in philosophy, theology, and whatever other theory is useful with Elder Scrolls texts to untangle some of the biggest questions in the series, like what are Dragon Breaks? How does Chim work? Where did the Dwemer go? And more. Check us out at writteninuncertainty.com or find Written in Uncertainty on any podcatcher. Thanks for listening and catch you later in the grey maybe of Tamriel. In a world where solid-state electronics and vacuum tubes are still meta, people never stop loving atomic-powered everything. A chosen 500 stepped inside a subterranean vault to be spared the nuclear horror of the inevitable Great War. 25 years later, they emerge after the fallout settles to retake Appalachia. Among them, two former rivals whose blood feud will tear West Virginia apart in their epic struggle for survival. Chad, a vault bro who has a strength of 15, an intelligence of two, and is a complete wasteland dickhead. Simon, a complicated anti-hero who chooses light and hope, but accidentally becomes a cannibal and wakes up naked and afraid with a Scorch Beast Queen after a date goes terribly wrong. What? I mean, it's a wild wasteland, right? This dark humor radio drama will have you driving off the road and crawling out from under the fallout. Two men. One wasteland. And so many nukes. Chad, a Fallout 76 podcast, rated R. Now streaming on your holotape player podcasty thing. Do you love Dragon Age? Have you always wanted to learn more about its vast world and detailed lore? Are you still attached to your hero of Ferelden, even a decade after Dragon Age Origins came out? Or maybe you're a newer fan, still discovering a new tidbit or quest every day. Well, either way, the Dragon Age Lorecast is the podcast for you. I'm Austin, also known as Teacup. And I'm Shelby, also known as SheCup. And come and join us as we embark on a journey to explore and discover all things Dragon Age. We'll discuss all kinds of topics, from Lyrium to the Chantry and the great mysteries of the old gods, and even more that even you Bioware superfans might not know about. So come and listen on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast. And always remember... Swooping.